Hi, my name's Hudson, and I'm a geoholic. Ready, guys? Let's do this. Yeah. Let's do that. Thanks for listening, everybody, to episode 32 of the Geoholics, a podcast produced by and for geomatics professionals, also known as one of my childhood heroes, the O.J. Simpson episode. Ooh, the juice is loose. The juice is loose. Yes, I can remember when I was a kid playing football with all my little buddies, I was always O.J. Simpson. But you didn't murder anybody, right? Uh, no. Okay, like, neither did he. Going. Neither did he. That's right. <laughs> the glove, if it fits, you must acquit, right? If the glove don't fit, you must acquit. Yeah. All right, everybody. If you want to join the Geoholics fan club, we got something new for you. For every 20 bucks you donate to the Geoholics GoFundMe account, you'll receive not only a couple Geoholics wristbands, but also a one-of-a-kind, highly sought-after Geoholics t-shirt, along with, of course, having your name mentioned on the next podcast. And on that note, I must apologize to Jesse White. Jesse made a very generous donation to the GoFundMe account a couple weeks ago, and I just now got his stuff in the mail today. So Jesse, when you listen to this, my most sincerest apologies, apologies, apologies for uh, the delay in getting us stuff in the mail to you. All right, that opening number, of course, is from the Black Moods, one of my all-time favorite bands. Uh, the name of the song is Sunshine. It just got released last week, and it came out with a uh, a really great video as well. You can check that out on Spotify and the video, of course, on YouTube. The Black Moods are Josh, Chico, and Jordan. And uh, the website for those guys is theblackmoods.com. I was just on there today, as a matter of fact. I haven't been on in a while. But they had all kinds of shirts, CDs, pillows. I mean, everything, everything moods you could possibly ask for. So get on there and check that out. And with that, let's give our friends of the program a shout. Thanks to them for believing in us and their continued support. We've got uh, Bad Elf GPS, so you can check them out at bad-elf.com forward slash flex to check out the new Flex GNSS receiver. Then our guest last week was, uh, was it last week or no? That was two weeks ago. It was Mr. Tarot from Lancer Bears United. You can check out his website at lancerbearsunited.com. Yep. These episodes all run together just like the days anymore. I, at this point, I just feel like I'm not leaving this room. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And we've got Unifly. You can check out that website. I'm going to spell it because there's a couple of Uniflies out there. We want to make sure you get the right one. U-N-I-F-L-I dot A-E-R-O. Oh, now we can talk about last week's episode with Corey Allred and Parkland College, his land survey program in Champaign, Illinois. You can be finding that online at parkland.edu slash surveying. Nicely done, Shoots. And last but not least, we have Advanced Geodetic Surveys, also better known as AGS. You can check them out at agsgps.com for all your equipment needs check them out. Again, of course, with COVID-19, we have a social distancing episode. We're all in our own individual studios. I, of course, am in Studio Double D. And uh, have patience with us. Yeah, this, this remote thing's a bit challenging. Uh, we're really trying to get better each and every episode. So bear with us. And uh, with that, let's catch up with the boys. Producer Jake, what's new, man? Doing good, guys. Don't have a ton to report. Um, we did pass a big milestone here um, just today, 9,100 uh, total downloads. So we're creeping up there. We're getting closer to our end of year goal. Um, really, other than that, there's not a whole lot. I've been staying inside. Um, I've been staying away from the news at this point because everything is just sad and negative. And so until that gets better, I'll be staying away from that. But um, other than that, not a whole, whole lot going on. Taking a couple exams tonight, getting closer to graduating. Nice. Did you watch the uh, latest and greatest Tiger King episode? I did. I figured we would talk about that. Yeah, that's just like a kind of like what this is, right? Just like a Zoom call. It's like checking in with everyone. So it was cool to see that. It's also funny to see that Carol didn't want to show up. Do you notice that? Yeah. 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 She 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 declined to show up. So 
why, why would she possibly decline something like that? Yeah. It's fun. I don't think she thought that that was going to go the direction that it did, right? That people were going to pick that, that up and run with it. But yeah, people are, people are pretty serious about it. Apparently, I don't know how true this is, but I've seen stuff about they actually reopened the case. So who yeah. knows? But who's something the, like uh, the sheriff in that town is looking to open the cold case and looking for anybody to call in with anything they have which that's just opening the floodgates for a mess yeah who knows they're gonna have to filter through all that bs that they're gonna get but yeah still good i mean all time show that's gonna be and kudos to netflix perfect time to release something like that just all around golden so really good job (laughs) there yeah what about you ryan what have you been up to these days uh, like I said, I haven't left this room in, in days. I feel like all I do is Zoom meetings and stare at my computer screen all day. So it's nice to talk to you guys rather than my wife and child. <laughs> we, we, we got bikes recently and within like a week I already had a flat tire and the bike itself was hard enough to find and then finding replacement tubes for the tire, which oh, yeah. is even harder at this point. Good point. Apparently... Nobody has anything else to do but buy a bike and ride it. So that's what I'm a part of. I'm not going to tell anybody where I live. I don't want any, you know, paparazzi coming after me. But <laughs> that's what commission? I've been up to. <laughs> what about you, Kent? Oh, real quick. Uh, fasting update. I'm down about 13 pounds. Instacart update. I'm up about two grand. Humble and- brag. Humble brag, exactly. And I am fully caught up on Ozark, finished after season three uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact. Is that a show I need to watch? Big time. Uh, Yes, I would recommend it. Really, really good. Really solid. All right. The lovely Carrie and I were looking for something new now that that Joe Exotic's all done. Yep. Yep. You should definitely check it out. I mean, it's three seasons, so you'll be able to watch it for a while. And trust me, if it keeps my attention, it'll keep anybody's attention. (laughs) That's, that's a tall order to keep your attention. It is a tall order indeed. Um, I do have one question for you guys. Um, if you could pick any three people to be quarantined with for three months, who would they be? Oh, man, I have no clue. Come let's on, hear dude. yours first. Here, let's hear yours first. What? My, no, I asked you the question. Come on. Well, do you I'm, want the real answer or like, you know, no, it's only, it's only three months. my house with my wife and child right now. So that's one and two. Well, it's only three months. So it's not like, you know, forever. Wow, man. That it's got to be my, my favorite people. Probably Leonardo DiCaprio. Probably interesting stories out of him. Joe Exotic. Be a great guy. <laughs> and then there we go. Jason Bateman, Ozarks. All right, there's my three. Wow, that, that is, that is a interesting threesome there that is good and the people you should look up to but you got big shoots uh well if i'm just going off of like people that i admire so to speak you definitely howard stern that'd be number one and i guess mike piazza even though last week was episode 31 uh and then third i only have two interests in life I guess Pete Alonzo, because he seems like a fun dude. Interesting. Yeah, the Mets and Howard Stern. That's all I got. Good stuff. <laughs> Boring. That's all right. <laughs> I, Jake already stole Joe Exotic. I don't know where to go from there. <laughs> That's a no-brainer. No-brainer. Yeah, yeah good Carol stuff. Carol Baskin and a bunch of sardine oil, perhaps. Yeah, there you go. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's give everybody a preview of our guest tonight. Melissa, who are your three? Oh, Lord. I'm too much of an introvert to pick a famous group of people to be locked up for three months with. I'd probably pick my three favorite traveling companions, which are my cousin, my best girlfriend, Ellen, and my uh, good friend, Kellyanne, who lives in Washington, D.C., and she's been locked up in her uh, condo for the last two and a half months. So. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I am I am not interested in spending a lot of time with people I don't know. <laughs> At least three months of quarantine. <laughs> good point. Good point. All right. Let's uh, move right along here to the Safety Apparel Safety Share. Uh, safety Apparel, these guys are producing the best safety vests on the planet. And uh, I can confirm because my guys wear them. I've said that probably a half a dozen times. 
but I'm making a point if you guys are in the market for some new uh, PPE safety vests, uh, be sure to check them out at safetyapparel.us. And with that, our safety share tonight continues to be uh, relevant to the COVID-19 topic. So let's talk about construction zones just a little bit. And these are quickly becoming one of our more challenging workplaces. So the point is, many construction projects are still underway, of course, despite the majority of states issuing stay-at-home orders during the COVID-19 pandemic to help stop the spread of the disease. So those of you that are out there working on, on active construction sites, here are a couple things or a few things to think about. Um, you can look at them as uh, best avoidance practices. So first and foremost, of course, encourage you know, any, any sick workers to stay at home. I mean, employers must be sure to ask workers to self-identify symptoms of uh, illnesses, especially COVID-19. And those symptoms, of course, include fever, coughing, and shortness of breath. So if anybody, anybody working on a construction site, um, you know, is, is experiencing any of those, um, those symptoms definitely, definitely should, should stay clear and they should not be working. Um, you can even go to the extreme of performing temperature checks of workers, preferably, you know, with non-contact type thermometers. And, you know, it's still important to continue toolbox talks. I know most companies are doing these on a daily basis, sometimes more than once throughout the day, but making sure they're done with proper physical distancing of six feet between each worker. Um, you know, that, that's kind of, that's kind of the norm these days. Modify work schedules if possible, staggering shifts or offering alternative days of work for extra shifts to reduce the number of workers on a site at one time. Uh, restrict access to closed or confined spaces. Of course, do not share water bottles or coolers if you can keep from it. Disinfect any shared equipment. A lot of the guys out there, you know, you're touching the tripod, you know, range pole, brush axe, what have you, um, you know, be sure to disinfect it as much as you possibly can. Provide workers with hand washing stations if water isn't available on site. Employers should definitely make sure hand sanitizer that contains at least 60% alcohol should be readily available. And last but not least, we just talked about PPE a little bit, but gloves, eye protection, and masks are an absolute must at this point in time. So just some things to think about if you guys are working on active construction sites or just out in the field in general for that matter. All right, let's get on to our guest tonight. Our guest tonight is Melissa Boyles. Melissa was born in California and she grew up in rural Arizona, up north in the Kingman Flagstaff area. Uh, Melissa obtained her undergrad degree from University of Phoenix and her master's in organizational development from GCU. Go Lopes, are you a big Lopes fan, Melissa? Uh, yeah, I'm a big Lopes fan. I like that college. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, have you been to a basketball game there? I hear they're pretty amazing. I am not a big sports person, so no. <laughs> All right. But you do you know enjoy the outdoor. The basketball team is Dan Marley. You got to let go, right? Yeah. You got to let go. Yeah, it's too bad. Uh, one thing Melissa does do is she enjoys the outdoors. And recently, she's been training to hike the Grand Canyon. And I was going to ask you, was that a rim-to-rim -rim hike where you go to the bottom, stay in the night, and coming back up? Yeah, we were going down to Phantom Ranch. We were going to stay two nights at the bottom and then hike back out. And probably maybe two, three days before we were supposed to take off, the hike, the park closed and the hike got canceled. We were training for 15 months for that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. Were you ready? Uh, you know, it may have been a little bit of uh, divine intervention that delayed the hike. So I think by the time we get back in, up uh, on our uh, lottery drawing so that we can go back down, I'll be in uh, even better shape to go. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. And another interesting uh, little tidbit of information is you're a fan of the Highland Games. That is really interesting. What uh, What's your favorite event of the Highland Games? Well, a favorite aspect is really just Scottish men. <laughs> There you go. So you like kilts. I do. All right. Point taken. Uh, interesting. Did you go to the Highland Games? Weren't they just here like a month or so ago, right before the, the, the roof fell in in this place? Yeah. Uh, I did not attend the last Highland Games here. No. That was a little too many, too many people and too close to everything that was going on. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, but 
there is on the uh, bucket list going in uh, to see the Edinburgh Festival and seeing the Highland Ga the Highland Games actually in Scotland. So that would be absolutely amazing. Well, there yep. is a local gentleman that's a surveyor and also participates in the Highland Games, Mr. Stan Dickey. Ah. Yep. It, it fascinates me. The dude literally just carries a phone pole and throws it over. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like a very important skill to have. Yeah. I'm not sure where that originated, but yeah, interesting. <laughs> yeah, I love watching them. Those guys are freaking amazing. And the yeah. bagpipes, of course. Yeah. Like bagpipes, right? No, absolutely. Absolutely. So Melissa's worked in the engineering consulting arena for about 22 years and currently is a VP at Jacobs, where she is the Arizona Transportation Client Account Manager. So Melissa, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me on. Absolutely. It's somewhat last minute, so we appreciate you being able to make it. I've been looking forward to this the last couple of weeks. Uh, let's get to know you a little bit more as far as your professional career path goes. Um, tell us a little bit. So after you got your degree, what, what was your first gig and how did, how did you get to where you are now? Uh, kind of random how I got involved into the transportation industry. I was actually working for uh, Carter Burgess at the time and um, our planning group. I was working for the land development division and our planning group had an issue come up on a study that they were doing with the city of Phoenix and the regional public transportation authority and their public involvement person got booted off the project and the client was really kind of ticked off and the planning guys came to my boss and said can we borrow Mel <laughs> I had no idea what they wanted me to do. Uh, I actually, honestly, I was in my early 20s and still going to night school, and um, I had no idea what public involvement was. And they told me, just go and be nice to them and do whatever they need done until we figure out a permanent replacement. And before I knew it, the director of the program, Wolf Grote, who is the capital programs director for Valley Metro now, was like, we like her, she's not going anywhere. And I ended up being full-time part of the major investment study for what is now our light rail transit program. And I was involved with uh, light rail from the early planning phases through uh, design and construction and into operations and worked um, in the administrative part. I was the administrative manager and then I worked in um, contracts for a little while. My kind of my roles sort of evolved over the years. And then I had a little bit of a, a long shot opportunity of becoming their DBE program manager. And thanks to my volunteer activity with WTS, um, I met their qualifications and prepared for weeks for the interview and went in and they hired me for that position and it was honestly the best job I've ever had. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was neat to see something so significant evolve from an idea into an operating new mode of transportation for our valley. Yeah, that is really, really exciting. Um, so what was your intent? Like when you were, you know, wrapping up your master's degree, did you already have an idea of you know where where your career was headed or did you just kind of happen like you just said it kind of kind of you kind of fell into it and like oh my gosh this is awesome I love this no I absolutely fell into it you know you mentioned I grew up in rural Arizona Kingman and Flagstaff and I was the first person in my family to go to college and uh, first person to pursue any kind of higher education and I, for me I was amazed at the transportation industry and how many people it affects and how many people and how many aspects of our life it actually touches so if you think about it like you could in your home outside your home driving down the street whatever like you cannot look anywhere around you and see anything at all that wasn't somehow impacted by transportation and the more I learned about the industry the more fascinated I became and I just was always very open to evolving my career. 
So when I had the opportunity to pursue being the DBE program manager for Valley Metro, I pursued that and then um, ultimately became the civil rights administrator for ADOT and was there for a few years and managed their programs. And then it was time for me to leave the compliance front and I moved into the private sector and kind of really have not had a plan other than always being open to that next opportunity and not being risk averse. You know, some things work, some things don't work, but for the most part, I would say I've been super fortunate and I have this like amazing group of people that are, I would say are my network is too formal of a word, but you know, the people that I, I, I think of as friends and colleagues in the industry and it's just really cool to be a part of that. Yeah, yeah, no question. And you mentioned WTS, and uh, it's my understanding you're the WTS mentorship leader. So, I mean, we talk about mentorship a lot on this show. So, I'm I'm curious to get your your take on the uh, importance of having a good mentor. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I was really, really lucky to have amazing mentors in unofficial capacities throughout my career. I. Mark Sorensen, who's a transportation planner, I think he's a vice president, probably higher level now, at um, HDR. Uh, Rick Simonetta was a CEO for Valley Metro. I, you know, Joe Marie, um, or so many people that really just kind of stepped out and said that they acknowledged or you know expressed, I guess, uh, that they saw potential in me and offered me help and assistance. And I feel like I've had some super fantastic opportunities to do things that I never would have imagined I would have done were it not for those people. And you get to a certain point in your career and you just feel compelled to facilitate that for other people. So I, I look around at, um, you know, for WTS, we're focused on women in the industry, but I look at young women in the industry and I think about what my challenges were and the hurdles I had to overcome. And I just get a lot of, um, I guess I get a, a, a sense of doing the right thing or paying it forward when I can connect those people to leaders in transportation, male and female that can help them navigate their own careers. And I think there is literally nothing more important in your career than finding the people that will advise you unofficially, not your boss, not somebody necessarily within your company, but people that are gonna help you navigate those rough spots or those challenge situations. And um, it's just, I really enjoy being able to facilitate providing that for other people. Good stuff. What do you think it takes to be a good mentor? I mean, not everybody is is going to be a good mentor, but what what do you think? What do you, what are the qualities a good mentor needs to have? I would think um, somebody who has longevity in the industry, whichever respective industry, someone who has objectivity, so can think about things from a lot of different perspectives. You know, when, when you think about transportation, or for me, I'm always thinking about the transportation industry, but when you're thinking about any specific industry, there are a lot of different stakeholders that are involved, but specifically for transportation, there's a public perspective, there's an agency perspective, there's a consultant perspective, and even what within the consultant perspective, there are people that are involved in planning, people that are involved in design, people involved with construction, and everybody has different things that are their priorities and a good mentor is someone who recognizes there are a lot of different viewpoints and helps guide young people or even people that are just maybe at transition points in their career to those objective conclusions. So if you've got a challenge, let's look at it from a lot of different perspectives. I think that's probably like the number one thing that's important. So if, uh, if somebody's listening to this, how do they get involved with the mentorship program uh, with WTS? So it's an annual program. Uh, we just kicked off, very interesting times, 
literally the week we were supposed to do our half day retreat to kick off the program was the week everybody started staying home. So we, we did that on a virtual basis, but it's an annual program. It lasts nine to 10 months. Um, the way that we handle the program or the way I've been handling the program as the director for the past three years, um, we have a call for applications. So if you're someone who is looking for a mentor, um, you submit a statement of interest, a resume, statement of support from your boss, can't really be involved in a program that takes up time in your workday without support from your boss. So your boss has to buy into it too. Um, but what are the goals that you have for getting out of the program? And um, ultimately, what are your goals within the industry? I review those and um, I recruit people. I look at the applicants, I look at what their goals are, I look at their resumes, and I draw from my network of people and think kind of just from the perspective of who would be the best person or who do I think would be the best person to work with this individual to help them achieve their objectives. So um, if somebody is interested in being a mentor, they just need to reach out to me and let me know that that's something that they'd want to do. If somebody is interested in being a mentee, the, since the program just started in March, uh, probably February next year would be the next application cycle. Gotcha. All right, cool. What's, um, so your, your current role at Jacobs, what, what do you like best about it? Uh, so at the risk of sounding trite, uh, probably the people I work with, I work with some really, really cool people that are very smart. Um, one of the things as I was being recruited to come work for Jacobs that I noticed about every person that I talked to, they had equal parts, humility and intelligence. And I think when you get into, sometimes you get into these big companies, the higher you get up the food chain, the more egos get involved. And I did not meet one person that like presented first with ego. Um, and to this day of working there for coming up on two years now, still have never come ego first. They're just people that are smart, they wanna do good work, they care about each other, and they wanna be successful. Um, so that's, I, for me, that's the number one thing that I, that keeps me wanting to come back to work or show up at my desk in the morning now that we're not going back into the office for a while, but yeah. And, being part of a global company, we have 60,000 employees worldwide. Yeah, kind of crazy, mind-boggling. Um, and, you know, you just get to some of the meetings that I'm in and the people that we're talking to and the stuff that they're doing all over the world. It's kind of, I don't know, it always brings me back to that rural Arizona girl that wasn't really sure I would even go to college and I'm you know, in meetings with people that are doing this amazing work from all different parts of the globe. And that's, that's pretty exciting to be a part of. Yeah, no doubt. Sounds like a great opportunity. Um, in an attempt to tie this discussion at least loosely to geomatics, uh, <laughs> I know you've, uh, you've worked for a mapping or at least uh, consulted for a, a mapping company in the past. What, uh, what, what, what ties to surveying and, and, and mapping do you have and do they play a role in, uh, in, in the, the current position that you have? Absolutely. And I would say it would go way, it was way back further than doing consulting work previously with um, aerial mapping of, with an aerial mapping firm. Um, I from the, early phases, as soon as my career started to evolve and I got more and more involved with um, the technical aspects of the work, um, from planning, preliminary engineering, engineering, construction, surveys always been, survey and aerial mapping always been very, very critical part of delivering quality engineering and then ultimately construction work products. So you know, having the right team member who knows the client, who knows the project or corridor or facility or whatever it might be that it is that you're working on is absolutely critical to having a successful project. And one of the, th um, I wouldn't say first questions, but one of the first, say, 
five questions that comes up um, when we're talking about our engineering teams and our pursuits is who we're going to use for survey. And aerial mapping, I have to confess, we always default to Ryan's company, but that's because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they do awesome work and we know we can trust them and they always show up and they know our clients and you know it's a no-brainer when you know that you can depend on someone and they're not gonna let you down <laughs> i have to confirm that that was not a paid plug <laughs> it was not a paid was, plug was unsolicited <laughs> and appreciated yes i have no poker face if ryan's company sucked i would not be able to say that <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I got to go back a little bit to the WTS thing. I can confirm that they have an excellent golf tournament locally every year. Yeah, we have a pretty awesome golf tournament. Um, that's to support our scholarship program. Uh, I actually have been involved with WTS almost as long as I've been in the transportation industry. And the chapter for Phoenix has grown from maybe half a dozen people to over 200 and granted that's a long time a lot of growth but there's a lot of dips and things that have happened in the industry overall since then too and one of the things I think we're we're really proud of is the fact that we're very very invested in um, supporting young women as they're embarking on their careers and we give over twenty thousand dollars a year in scholarships wow. that's pretty impressive Amazing. yeah well, in, in addition to WTS, I also know uh, as a firsthand knowledge of our Zoom meeting this morning that you're <laughs> involved with Ashy, the highway engineers for the, what is it, Sonoran section here? Sonoran section, yes, the Association of State Highway Engineers. Um, I have been involved with Ashy for them, seven or eight years, something like that kind of lose track of time but I've worked with the board for that the entire duration of that uh, period I think I'm a, their permanent board secretary which I'm happy to normally I wouldn't want a secretary role but I'm happy to do that role the guys are awesome I can't even say enough about how much I love that organization the very best thing about ashy is there's zero drama we have what we need to get do what we need to get done what we do what we need to do we set up our speakers we have a, also have a great golf tournament for ashy we gave out i think we gave out ten thousand dollars in scholarships last year you know board meetings are short everyone knows their job and we're actually in the process of forming a new southwest section so we're working with the Dallas-Fort Worth section and the Houston section, which is just a chapter, but for some reason, Ashy calls them sections. So it's Phoenix, Houston, and Dallas-Fort Worth. And we're growing a whole Southwest presence for Ashy. And um, I think we have three people locally, myself included, that will be part of that regional board. James Barr definitely will be a part of it. He's amazing. Uh, Susie, um, with Gannett Fleming, Suzanne with um, City, I think she changed her company name, it's City Town Lighting. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so we're kicking that off. We've been working on that. And I'm also a part of the Arizona Transit Association board. Spending all that time working on light rail, you kind of can't help but become a transit geek. So I want to make sure that public transportation is something that's accessible to people across the state. And that's a pretty cool thing to be involved with too because they work with like Valley Metro and the city of Phoenix and all of the big transit providers but they also work with all of the smaller transit providers throughout the state people that are even just like providing dial right service and need grant funds so you get this huge array of perspectives which is something that I I love about this industry is you know you've got Phoenix fifth largest city and then you have places like Kingman that still need assistance and everybody's working together to make it happen Yeah, it's got to be pretty rewarding Yeah, yeah, definitely and you get some characters like there's really interesting characters on all of these boards <laughs> yeah, They're everywhere yourself included of course. Well, no, I'm just very low-key <laughs> 
So Melissa, I'm curious, I mean, you're very, uh, you know, intelligent, professional woman in a, in a male dominated profession for the most part. Um, talk about any challenges you may have encountered along the way. Well, you know, it's interesting early in my career, I think a lot of the uh, typical things that stereotypical things that women encounter, I certainly encountered. I, I was definitely, uh, when they were, everyone's like, hashtag me too. I could have put it out there a thousand times. That's fine, whatever. Um, but I feel like what's been interesting about that is, you know, and I shouldn't be making light of it. And there are people that are going to criticize me for this, but you know, you get to a certain point in your career and, and when your, your, your only child, only male child is older than most of the people that you work with, <laughs> all of a sudden, a lot of that stuff goes away and people don't really uh, care about and don't sort of cross lines of with poor behavior because one, you're someone's mom, you're someone's grandma, you could be their mom, and uh, it morphs into, uh, we're just going to respect her and listen to her because she's going to put us in her place if we don't. <laughs> yeah, a lot, lots of challenges over the years, but thankfully in the last 10, they, those have um, dropped off. So I'm grateful for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Thanks for sharing that. I appreciate it. So when you look back in your career, I mean, you're what, 22 years in or so, I mean, what are, are there, are there any milestones that kind of stick out that, you know, may have helped, you know, springboard you to that, that next opportunity or that next level, however you want to look at it? Sure, sure. There's a, there's probably a handful, I would say. Um, the first being the opportunity to get involved with the light rail program. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity to, to see something go from an idea to an operating system. Um, I think within that time frame, I had, like I mentioned before, some pretty amazing mentors. Um, one of my mentors, Rick Simonetta, pretty much insisted that I apply for the APT leadership program. So the American Public Transportation Association, where they annually pick 26 people from North America, across North America, to participate in this leadership program. And um, Rick was a huge proponent of me applying. My friend Kellyanne, who I mentioned with the people that you would want to be, uh, you know, quarantined with, uh, Kellyanne had been previously through the program as well as a couple of other people that I knew locally, and they sort of coached me through that application process. So I get to travel across the United States and meet with CEOs and heads of industry and there was just this very tight-knit group of people that it just it made me realize how broad transportation is and how limitless your opportunities really are if you're willing to apply yourself so a lot of the people that I went through the program with I'm I'm still friends with today same thing uh, few years before I went through the after leadership program, I applied for the WTS leadership program, smaller group of people. Um, I think they take, at that time, I think they took 10 or 12 applicants from across the U.S. So that was a three-day program. So it was a, more of an intensive, shorter-term program, but that also, you had, you had access to people and, you know, personal coaching, professional coaching about, you know, who you are and where, how, how you see yourself versus how other people see you. I think that was probably one of the most um, eye-opening things for me going through that program. I, I kind of saw myself one way. And then at the end of the program, one of the things that they did is the participants all gave feedback about each one of the, the, um, the other their fellow participants and that was that was 
I can honestly say I did not see myself the way that other people did. And it kind of empowered me a little bit like, okay, well, maybe I can be a voice for other people because I thought I should be a listener and maybe I should be a speaker. <laughs> and I, I think that's honestly what led to me becoming a champion for the DBE program, the Disadvantaged Business Enterprise Program at Valley Metro and at ADOT. And I would say those, those were two career experiences. You know, we had this multi-billion dollar program at, at Valley Metro and I was a department of one and we had 300 million, hundreds of millions of dollars of work that went to small and disadvantaged businesses, small women and minority owned businesses, disadvantaged businesses. And I was the one fighting with the prime contractors and fighting to get them, you know, to get goals set so that they could be included. And um, when I went to ADOT, it, it was kind of interesting because I had people tell me or ask me rather, why are you going to work for ADOT? They don't have a DBE program anymore. And that was a little bit shocking to me because naturally they did. And they had a lot of challenges related to the program at the time. Great program now, awesome people running it. But from, you know, kind of revisiting the things that were dysfunctional at the time, yeah. knowing that all of the stakeholders were very motivated to get things fixed. Um, I had uh, probably a year into a year and a half into that program, I had the DBE community, I was hosting a conference, and they actually surprised me. Probably the most um, meaningful award I've ever received. Mm -hmm. uh, they made up an award so that they could give me something, a, a token of, of uh, appreciation for shifting the program. And I, that was the fact that you could actually go to work every day and touch people's lives and livelihoods. That was, that was huge for me. And I think, you know, since then working at Jacobs and where I have in the industry, I just see opportunities to do that in a lot of different ways, maybe in not as visible ways, but I, you know, you feel empowered to try to do that for people after having that kind of an experience. Yeah, for sure. And think about how many, uh, how many people's lives you affected with your, uh, you know, you fighting for those DBEs to get the money that they were, uh, they were granted on that project and stuff like that. I mean, geez, kudos to you for doing all that. When you, um, when you, when you, when you think about the success that you've had up to this point, and, you know, you've still got a long way to go. Um, Thanks. <laughs> I mean, what what percent of it do you think is work ethic or persistence or resilience, intelligence, you know, support from family or friends? I mean, how would you break that down? Well, I just, I would say before addressing that, that, you know, any success that I've achieved professionally, it's really been about the, the people that have surrounded me because it's when you know that you have the right support, it's easier to be the person who says something or takes action. So it's like the accomplishments with the DBE programs were, you know, 1% about me and 99% about the other people who are willing to step up and do the right thing and to correct some things that just functionally weren't working. Um, but as far as career success, um, one, I think not being risk averse, you know, everyone's going to have failures, everyone's going to have successes, but I think it's really important that you're open to opportunities. You know, if back 20 something years ago, if I had said, no, I don't know what public involvement is and I don't know what light rail transit is, I don't wanna be a part of that. I would have had a very different career tra trajectory. So I think being open to opportunity, um, not being afraid of failure, um, and I think owning your voice, that's something I think a lot of people struggle with. I think if you feel like 
you know, there's a project manager or there's an owner or the client or what have you. So you kind of tone down your opinion or you skirt things, which it's only human nature to do. And you don't want to be ever be argumentative or obstinate about things. But I, I think owning your voice and knowing the value that you contribute to the conversation, wherever that is, but also being smart enough to know when it's just time to sit there and listen. Really well put. That's some sound advice right there. Um, I want to mention you have recently started a podcast of your own called Moving Arizona. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, sir. Well, I can totally attribute that to you guys because I have been listening to you guys since you first started and I love your podcast. And um, I was trying to kick off this year's mentorship program and I was kind of struggling with, we only had a certain number of months, we only had a certain number of workshops and there's so much going on in the industry right now. Like, how do I get all of these people that should be in front of this group, in front of this group? And I thought about geoholics and I thought, well, you know what? I bet I could, I could do that. And then maybe other people would want to listen to it too. So I'll just make it public and they want to listen to it. That's great. But the mentors, the mentors have been fantastic. Absolutely everyone has stepped up and said they'd be thrilled to be interviewed. I have actually been hit up by so many people after putting it out on LinkedIn of when's my turn. So I have probably, gosh, I have a year's worth of interviews. You know, I don't have them booked, but I have a year's worth of people that are like, uh, pick me next, please. And as soon as we go through the interviews with the mentors, um, we'll be reaching out broader than that. It's super exciting and the next one is we're gonna um, post it on Friday I was uh, interviewing Maria Hyatt who used to be the public transit director for the city of Phoenix she's the chair of friends of transit she's the vice chair of the Arizona Transit Association she's amazing and um, that I'm I've loved that interview with her and I think one of the coolest things about the podcast and you guys I don't know if you feel this way too but you seem like you do because of your enthusiasm around your podcast but like you actually get to be in a space with these people and just ask them all the questions you ever wanted to ask them yeah, yeah. so yeah that's <laughs> well between uh Melissa talking nicely about my company, but uh, and the geoholics. I feel like my shoulders are sufficiently rubbed. <laughs> We're gonna have to have her on every week at this point. <laughs> um, I, I am a smart enough man that I know never to ask a lady her age or anything like that. But is there any advice that you would tell your younger self uh, now if you could go back in time? Um, if I could go back in time, mm, no, <laughs> not really. <laughs> if I'm being a hundred percent honest and, and if I knew what I, if I knew then what I know now, I would have made a completely different set of choices and I have the most amazing life and I have, I know the most amazing people and I get to do the coolest work and I just, I wouldn't change anything about who I am or where I am. And if I gave my younger self advice, I probably wouldn't be that person. It would change that trajectory just a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And then who knows? You wouldn't even be on the geoholics. Where would we go from there? I would, I would be so disappointed. My life would be incomplete. <laughs> Well, this is a go-to question. I know you uh, said you've listened to us, and and I I I feel like I'm I'm at a loss for words. We inspired a new podcast voice, but uh, do you have a mantra that you live by? Ooh, do I have a mantra that I live by? Gosh, at the risk of sounding overly assertive, it's probably lead, follow, or get out of the way. <laughs> I honestly am very comfortable with any of the above, but I really hate following people who don't know how to lead and 
I'm, I'm always happy to step up if no one's going to. Um, but yeah, if that were my, if that were a mantra, that's my mantra, lead, follower, get out of the way, take action or don't, but own it either way. <laughs> that's great, Melissa. So I'm curious, you know, when you mentioned leadership, how would you describe your, uh, your leadership style? So I, I would say my leadership style, I, I love being a part of a team. I love the whole concept of all boats rise together, right? There is no, there is no shining star. There is no, uh, there should not be someone who is the center of attention. I believe firmly from all the amazing mentors I have always worked with uh, that everyone matters. I will never forget Rick Simonetta in his very first staff meeting with us at, um, we weren't Valley Metro at the time, but you know, his very first staff meeting with us, he had the whole front area shut down, our admin team, document control, the receptionist, everybody needed to be in the room. And there were some managers that were like, why is he, don't we need someone to answer the phone? And what if someone comes into the reception area? And he said, you are all in this room because you are all critical to the success of this program. No one is more important than anyone else. And I wholeheartedly believe that. But I also believe that you're a team player or you're not. And if you're not going to be a team player, then I'm probably not going to include you in the things that we're doing. And fortunately, you know, at Jacobs, we have really good people, like I said before, humble, smart. I don't know if you guys have ever read that book, The Ideal Team Player, but the three characteristics of an ideal team player are hungry, humble, and smart. That describes, I would say, 90% of the people I work with at Jacobs. It also describes a lot of the people that I get to work with in the associations that I'm on the boards for. So it's all about working together to get stuff done. And then people that are disruptive, we just have to diplomatically find a way to redirect their disruption to something that isn't going to be detrimental to the organization. Yeah. And you My mentioned goodness, that was some HR speak right there. <laughs> 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 well, now that you mentioned, mentioned this book, um, this is a newer question to the program, but I really like this one. So Delphi Delpha added some, what was it? Bring value or add value? There you go. Um, if there was an autobiography of your life, what would it be called? Uh. Uh, two parts <laughs> to that. Who would play you in the movie? Oh my gosh. Who would play me in a movie and what would be the autobiography? Uh, I would say my autobiography would be what the dog saw. <laughs> There's an awesome Mal Malcolm Gladwell book. I just looked over at my bookshelf and thought, what would I, which one of these books would be me? Um, but yeah, I think if you, <laughs> I don't know, you guys didn't really ask me about the dogs, but I'm a huge dog person. They're, just, they're spoiled, spoiled rotten, adore them, Jasper the Great and my little pudgy pirate dog. But, <laughs> you know, dogs protect the pack. They're intensely loyal. They're affectionate. They're smart. They're resourceful. They're resilient. Um, so you know, what the dog saw probably would be my book. And I don't know who would play me. I've had so many people talk, say like famous people that I, they think that I look like, someone told me that I look like Linda Carter, like the old school Wonder Woman. <laughs> I, I don't get that at all. Um, yeah. So may, maybe I just have to pick one, the old school Wonder Woman that, that kind of fits my personality a little bit. <laughs> now do you have a lasso of truth? <laughs> no, no, I do not. But I'm sure I can pour a stiff enough drink to get the truth out of someone. <laughs> oh my now, Malcolm Gladwell, he's the guy that said, he wrote the uh, 10,000 hour book, right? He did. And he wrote uh, Tipping Point. And yep, he wrote a lot of really good stuff. So 
would you say that you've put the 10,000 hours into this transportation industry or is, is the podcast going to put you over that? Oh, I put way more than 10,000 hours into the transportation industry. <laughs> <laughs> I may have put 10,000 hours in the after leadership program. <laughs> big, big, one thing I got to say, Big Shoots is so much smarter than he leads on to be, I swear. Mm, I, I don't want to set the bar too high. You remember the movie Dodgeball when Vince Vaughn's like, I set the bar really low and then it's easy to exceed that. That is my mantra. We'll, we'll go with that. That's my <laughs> yeah, mantra. Yeah, but did you think about Dodgeball and you think about how low-key Vince Vaughn's character was and what a fantastic leader he actually was? Maybe that's your M.O. <laughs> That's just a good point. You're right. No, the, the, we're, never mind. This episode's canceled. Cut it off. <laughs> we can't let the secret out. Or maybe you're the guy in the wheelchair that the sign fell on. I don't know. Shoots. <laughs> uh, no, Hank Azaria. Dip, dip, duck, dodge, dip, and dive, or whatever the 5D. My, my favorite part was when he rolls in and he grabs the wrench and he just <laughs> rolls in across. I'm like, that is life. You were expecting a dodgeball and you get hit in the face by a wrench. <laughs> dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. That's right. They're all ripped torn. Oh, man. <laughs> so, Melissa, besides failing to mention your dogs, is there anything else that we may not have touched on that you want to make sure you get out there? Nah, I, you know, I'm just thrilled to be a on an episode of your guys' show. I think you're doing an awesome job and, you know, uh, getting a kind of an unheard part of our industry out there and some visibility around people that are doing some fantastic work and that we depend on very heavily. So, um, no, I just, I, thanks for inspiring Moving Arizona and thanks for entertaining and educating us uh, every time you post a new podcast and thanks for having me on. Thanks again for being here. And how how can people find the uh, Moving Arizona podcast? So super excited. I am actually, we are on um, the Apple podcast now. So you can just look up Moving Arizona there. You can also look us up on Spotify. And, uh, or you can look us up on our website, our website, website, um, Moving Air. <laughs> it's a, a movingaz.net. Fantastic. Is your uh, producer as good looking as producer Jake? Since I'm the technically the producer, I'm going to say no. That is a tough <laughs> one right there. <laughs> I set you up for that one. You pull your foot out sorry, of your mouth on that one. <laughs> and there, there are my co-producers in the background, Jasper and Zizi, who had to chime in there for a minute. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you. I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that, like, our invitation of the Geoholics on the Moving Arizona podcast is just kind of hung up in the mail right now. (laughs) Well, if you will notice, and maybe you didn't listen to it, but if you notice the the very first intro that anyone who is interested in listening to Moving Arizona already hears about you guys. So, yes, eventually I would love to have you on after I get through our our mentors. But, yeah, I made sure that everybody knew that you guys were the inspiration. So there. (laughs) Uh, That is appreciated. Once the well of guests dries up, that's when we get the phone call. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do know where to find you guys, so... (laughs) And, and like like you mentioned, I did listen to, uh, I think, how, how many episodes do you have? Three? Mm-hmm. So I have the little intro clip, and then I have two actual episodes, and then my third episode I'm going to release on Friday. Fantastic. So yep, I got, it drops on Friday. Yeah, Friday mornings. I got quirky sound stuff going on on the first two episodes, so I'm trying to self-teach audacity which is an adobe platform that is mind-boggling it's so hard but i'm getting closer and closer that's where my next ten thousand hours is going to be <laughs> nice it's, it's pretty addicting once you get going i'm sure you'd agree yeah yeah it's it, it, making things sound just the way you want them to sound and then again like i was saying the opportunity to just here's your wish list of people you just want to have a conversation with and go have your conversation. It's pretty awesome. 
Yep, yep, no doubt about it. All right, well, thank you again for being here. Uh, Shoots, you got anything else to add? Um, no, not not anything important, at least, other than, you know, if you're really struggling with that audio stuff, we know a good guy. His name is Jake. Fantastic at this stuff. I know nothing about it, and yet the show shows up every week. Wow. I was going to say real quick, if you're talking Audacity, check out YouTube. We've got the best videos on there. That's where I learned everything, all the tutorials. So Audacity is great, though. That's what we use, too. Well, now that I have Jake's contact information, I might be looking on YouTube and reaching out to Jake. So. There you go. Feel free whenever. <laughs> First name producer, last name Jake. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks again, Melissa. Thanks again to... Uh, COVID-19 for the social distancing and these remote podcasts. As I mentioned earlier in the show, we're doing the best we can. Bear with us as we try to get better each and every episode. And uh, be sure to check us out at thegeoholics.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn by searching for The Geoholics. Download our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify. And so I don't forget and catch all from Big Shoes, download our app from the Land Surveyors United website. That's landsurveyorsunited.com. Email us at info at thegeoholics.com if you're interested in becoming a friend of the program or a guest on a future show. We'd love to hear from you. And with that, the Black Mood's taking us out with their latest tune, Sunshine, available on Spotify and Apple Music. Be sure to check out their videos on YouTube and follow their Facebook page. Last but not least, everyone, be sure in these trying times to support local small businesses uh the food and beverage food and beverage industry has been absolutely decimated and they can use your support so please try to support them as much as you can and stay safe and healthy until next time everybody stay home Thanks again to our friends of the program. Please be sure to check out Land Surveyors United at landsurveyorsunited.com, Unifly at unifly.arrow, Bad Elf at bad-elf.com, and Parkland College at parkland.edu forward slash surveying.